Okay, West Seattle, hear the word of the Lord. John 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So Christmas is the time of year when we celebrate the coming of Jesus as a, as a helpless baby, and many of us know the story. Um, at least we know some details from the story, the ones that we get from the, the Christmas carols that we hear every year, because no matter what you do, whether you like it or not, you are going to hear some Christmas carols this month. You can't escape it. It's uh, it's like gravity. Don't try to fight it. You'll just hear Christmas music. That's how it goes. Some people, uh, you know, some of you started listening to Christmas carols as soon as Halloween was over because you don't know the rule. The rule is that there should not be any Christmas music before Thanksgiving, or at least you can start on Thanksgiving itself, but not, but not before that. Um, you know, uh, that's, that's a rule. But full disclosure, uh, when I was a kid, I used to go up into the mountains with my grandpa and we would go and we would hike and we would fish. And whenever we were driving up into the mountains, I would, as a kid, I, I always wanted to listen to the same tape, the same cassette tape in his truck. And it was a cassette tape of Christmas songs that he had. And I mean, this was summer, people. This was the summer we were going up there. Uh, and my grandpa is a very patient man. He just was, he probably was thinking, oh my gosh, kid, the Christmas music again, are you serious? But he was a good sport and he always cheerfully listened to it with me. So I've done my part to bring Christmas songs to the other 11 months of the year other than December. So you're welcome for that. But we know the Christmas story. We know uh, about Jesus being born in place, you know, away in a manger, the whole thing. But I wonder if we've really stopped to consider the magnitude of what's happening when we celebrate Christmas. God came to earth as a human being. God took on flesh. And this reality of God taking on flesh is called the incarnation. The incarnation. And incarnation literally means to take on flesh. God took on flesh. And I remember the first time I held each one of my, my four boys, when they were born, I could hold them, their body would actually fit the length of my forearm, I could hold them in that. And Charles Wesley, the, the famous poet, when he wrote about the incarnation, he wrote this, he said, our God contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man. Our God contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man. God, who is vast beyond all measure, reduced himself and, and came to earth as a helpless baby. Think about that. Think about that. In, in these opening words of the Gospel of John, John says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it becomes obvious that he's talking about the person, Jesus Christ, and he's Jesus, the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. And we are now entering into this great mystery that is referred to as the Trinity. God exists as 
three persons in one. God the Father is God. God the Son is God. God the Spirit is God. Three in one. Not three gods, right? Not, not one God with three parts. Not one God with three different jobs or roles. No, one being but three persons. One God, three in one. Now, we can't use logic to explain the concept of the Trinity. If we do, we always end up reducing it into something that it is not. And so we, can, you know, we can't use logic to explain the concept of the Incarnation either. How could Jesus be both fully God and fully man? How is it that an infinite God is reduced to fit the frame of a newborn? It's a great mystery. And if we try to explain it with logic, we lose the very thing that makes it great, the mystery. Most, uh, most if not all, of the great debates and councils and heresies and things like that that happened in the first 300 or so years of the church, 400 years, uh, they were either about, pretty much all of them were all either about the Trinity or the Incarnation or both. And so it's really important that we have this strong category for mystery in our faith. If you have to have everything explained to you, if God has to fit into neat categories, um, you know, the God of the Bible doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. So he might not be your cup of tea if you need to have everything all neatly organized with, with no mystery. He defies explanation. The, the incarnation is simply more proof of the fact that God defies explanation. And that brings us to this question that I want to deal with today. Here's a question. Why did God take on flesh and choose to be born as a human being? The short answer, right? The short answer for that question is that so, he, so that he could save us from our sins and restore our relationship with him. And the, the short answer there, that's a good answer. The, it, the problem is it's, it's an incomplete answer, okay? It's, it turns out the incarnation has some amazing implications for our everyday lives, and that's what I hope to lay out for you today. Today, I, I just want to talk with you about why the incarnation really matters. So John starts out, John 1.1, saying, in the beginning, and these are some very famous words, in the beginning, uh, these same three words are the beginning of another book you might have heard of. It's the book of Genesis, and it tells the story of creation. Genesis says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as the story progresses, God creates the world, and he declares it to be good. In fact, he says it's good multiple times throughout that. And it's not an accident that John is referencing these words. He wants us to think about the creation story when we are hearing these words and realize there you know not only was he there but he was also involved in the creation of the world the, the world was created through him john really drives this he says without him nothing was made that has been made so why does this matter well it matters because john is letting us know that a second creative act is about to take place a second creative act is about to take place place. Genesis tells that this, the story of the first creation, but now a second creation is about to happen. And just like Jesus was involved in this first creation and was integral to that first creation, he is going to be involved in the second creation also. And this is important for us to grasp, this, this concept. The second creation 
has a critical component to it. God, this is the critical component of, of the, second, the second creation. The creator himself, God, is going to come into creation as a created being. The incarnation, this God taking on flesh, is critical to this new creation taking place. So why does the incarnation matter? Well, the incarnation matters because it signals that God is remaking and really reclaiming creation. It's a process that needs to happen because as we've seen, God's good creation has been broken. It's been marred by sin. And so God's creation still bears his fingerprints. It's still good. Uh, it, it's in need, though, of serious mending. It needs to be reclaimed, remade. So Jesus came. God the Son came as a person in a human body to reclaim creation. This is huge because it shows us that God is concerned with his creation. He is concerned with atoms and molecules and flesh and bone. He's concerned with his creation. Many people think that God is only concerned with, with soul and spirit, but that's not true. God is concerned with bodies as well. How do we know? How do we know that God is concerned with bodies? Well, because he decided to put one on. That's how we know. By putting on a body, God showed us that matter matters to God. And if matter matters to God, then it should matter to us as well. Now, I have a big problem with the idea that many Christians have, you know, they say, well, this world is going down the tubes. I, I can't, you know, I can't wait to leave this world. I can't wait to get out of here. I call that evacuation theology, and it, it runs counter to the heart of God. The baby in the manger at Christmas is exhibit A, that God is concerned about his creation and he wants to remake it, reclaim it. J.I. Packer said this about the incarnation. Uh, J.I. Packer is a theologian. He says, the incarnation is in itself an unfathomable mystery, but it makes sense of everything else that the New Testament contains. That's how significant it is. Okay, so that's the first big idea. The incarnation matters because it signals that God is reclaiming creation. Here's the second big idea. The incarnation matters because it signals us, it signals us that we are meant to join God in his mission. Let me say those two ideas again. The incarnation matters because it signals that God is remaking creation, reclaiming creation. And the incarnation matters because it signals us that we are meant to join God in his mission. So what do I mean about the incarnation signaling that we are meant to join God in his mission? Well, if you look at verses 3 and 4 of John chapter 1, it says, In him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So John's saying that Jesus is the life and the light for all humanity. And once again, this is a deliberate reference to creation, the creation story in Genesis. If you're familiar with the creation story, the first thing God says is, let there be light. Right? Then God creates life. He brings his creation to life after he begins this, this, with, with creating light. And so now he's doing it again with Jesus coming into the world. This idea of light, it comes up over and over and over again in Scripture. In Scripture... Light symbolizes wisdom. It symbolizes justice. It symbolizes knowledge of God. We might say enlightenment, right? We, we use that word. 
Um, there's a moral component to light where people who are in the light are walking according to God's ways. This light concept is really strongly connected with the idea of the Messiah. And uh, the Jewish people believed that God would send a Messiah, that he was going to send this anointed one who was going to save his people. And people uh, associated the Messiah very strongly with this idea of light. And there are certain passages in the Old Testament that are considered messianic uh, passages because they seem to be talking about this coming Messiah and what will happen when he comes. And I, and I just want to look at an example of one of those passages. It's, it's possible that John had this passage in mind when he wrote the words of John chapter 1. It's Isaiah chapter 60. Uh, the first three verses of Isaiah chapter 60. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So this passage connects this, the coming Messiah with this imagery of a sunrise coming and driving away the darkness of light. Now, I know living in West Seattle, you might not be familiar with this, this thing called the sun. Um, but over here in Idaho, we have this thing called the sun. And it comes up every morning. It brings, it brings light and it brings warmth to, to the people. I'm just kidding. You probably uh, know better than many people how amazing it is after days and days and days of, of, you know, not having the sun shining to have the sun come out after a long period and, and to feel the warmth and to see the light. You probably know that better than a lot of people, what that feels like. And that's what Isaiah is talking about here. And John says, this is the light of all mankind and the darkness has not overcome the light. And Isaiah says, nations will come to your light. It's a beautiful picture. And so Jesus, this baby that we celebrate at Christmas, he grows up, he lives as the light of mankind. He dies on the cross. He rises from the dead triumphant over the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome the light. And then Jesus sends his followers out to take this light to the nations. And they do it. They actually, they, they take the light. And the words of Isaiah begin to be fulfilled. And it's no accident that Jesus told his followers on one occasion, he said, you are the light of the world. Why, well, I thought Jesus was the light of the world. And now he says his followers are the light of the world. Yes, both are true. Remember, I said the incarnation matters because it signals to us that we are meant to join God in his mission. God's mission is to reclaim his creation, and we are meant to join him in that mission. Let me, say this, uh, let me say it a little bit different way. We are meant to embody the mission of God in this world. You see what I did there? What, Jesus, what did Jesus do when he came as a baby? He embodied the mission of God to reclaim his creation and his people. Jesus is the ultimate missionary. He embodied the mission he took on flesh for the mission. And now Jesus is alive. He's alive, but he is no longer here in the flesh as the man Jesus Christ. But Jesus is still in the world, in the flesh. Jesus is still 
incarnated in the world, even though the man Jesus Christ is no longer here. Jesus is still incarnated in the world. The New Testament, over and over and over again, refers to the church as the body of Christ. What does, it, what does that mean? Except that we, as the church, are meant to embody God's mission the same way that Jesus embodied God's mission. The incarnation matters because it signals that God is reclaiming creation. And the incarnation matters because it signals that we are meant to join God in that mission. Let me say it like this. Through the incarnation of both Jesus and the church, through the incarnation of both Jesus and the church, God is reclaiming creation. So that's why the incarnation matters. Imagine the difference it will make in your life to think about yourself as embodying the mission of God. You, we, are literally Jesus in this world. We are the incarnation, and we live out God's heart, God's love for his creation. So what does this look like? Well, it means that as you go about your holiday tasks, and your get-togethers, you remember that you are Jesus in this world, so act accordingly. It means that when someone expresses a, a political view or an idea that you disagree with, you remember that you are Jesus in this world, so act accordingly. It means that as we continue to deal with this new normal that has emerged because of this global pandemic, churches can't meet in person like they once could. Ministry looks different. Interacting with people looks different. Work and school both look different. We remember that we are Jesus in this world, so we act accordingly. Jesus is the light of the world, and so are we. Jesus embodied the mission of God to reclaim his creation, and we embody the same mission. So let's engage with our communities as Jesus would if he were here in the flesh, because Jesus is here in the flesh. We are the body of Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for being a God who is engaged with and loves his creation. We know that, God, because you came and you became a person. You became and stepped into part of your creation. And you did that so that you could bring us back to you. So you could have that reconciliation so that you could begin to reclaim creation and so that you could invite us to join you in that. And so, God, I pray during this Christmas season that we would do just that, that we would join you by embodying your mission, living in this world as though Jesus were living through us because that's exactly what he's doing. So I pray that we could embrace that, that we could go out from wherever we are, understanding that, that we are the church, we are the body of Christ. We love you. We thank you for your great love for us, demonstrated in Jesus, the light of the world that the darkness has not overcome. In your name we pray. Amen.